We are very excited about today's show. And before we begin, we got Jesse Ledoux with our product feature of the week. Jesse, tell us what you got for us. Stephen, we weekly have about 500,000 viewers on any number of our platforms at any given time, which is massive. So this week, we're giving you the opportunity to either surprise your favorite title holder or grab a feature spot for yourself on our social media channels, which is huge from a perspective of trying to get your name out there, trying to show your director that you mean business, or just making somebody feel loved if you are giving it as a gift. Yeah, that's so awesome. Okay, well, tell us about like what this thing is and how they can find it and give us the deets. So... They can find it by visiting shop.pageantplanet.com and selecting the title holder of the day feature. And included in this, you get to send us a high quality video um, or we get to create one that's yours to keep. We put high quality images of the contestant of the day um, on our platforms and social media. You get to promote your video and bio on Instagram and Facebook. Uh, and we'll feature you on the homepage on the article section. So it's so chock full of good stuff. It's usually 50 bucks. However, you can grab your spot by and take 20% off by using the code TOD20. That's title holder of the day, shortened to TOD20. So TOD20, and you can get it. And I'll also provide a link on the show notes. But yeah, it's just a great way for you to market yourself, what's important to you, why you decided to compete in the pageant that you're competing in. And yeah, we create everything for you to keep for keepsake. Awesome. Well, thank you, Jesse. Welcome to Pageant Planet's podcast, where we share stories and strategies to help expand and connect the global pageant community. Visit pageantplanet.com to find pageants, hire coaches, shop for dresses, and more. Now, here's your host, Stephen Roddy. Welcome to another episode. Today, Jesse and myself, we are going to be talking about dreaming the impossible. And this story is inspired by Teresa Scanlon. So Jesse, you want to set the stage for us? Sure. So we know that all of the women who win Miss America are some of the most talented, intelligent, accomplished people you will ever meet. But Teresa Scanlon, I have to say, is something very, very special. And she's a woman of incredible talent, remarkable intelligence, and she achieved a number of unsurpassed accomplishments at a very early age. I mean, she won Miss America at 17. That's crazy. And her life almost reads like a Hollywood movie in some ways. And Stephen, like, you know Teresa personally. So why don't you, in your best movie trailer voice, take it from here? Oh, gosh. I, I don't know if I'll do the movie trailer. I'll just do this. Aww, Stephen Roddy. All right. Picture this. Okay, wait. Here, I'll try. <clears throat> Picture this. <laughs> Small town nope. girl. Nope. <laughs> All right, I'm just doing this. I do Steven appreciate Mark. I do appreciate the effort. Yeah, it's like nope. All <laughs> right. So picture this. A small town girl from a large, tight knit Croatian family in rural Nebraska is determined to attend college so that she can become an attorney. She reads an ad in her town's newspaper and decides to enter a local beauty pageant just for the chance to earn a whopping in-your-face $200 in scholarship money. She ends up winning the pageant and from there goes on to win Miss America and all of her wildest dreams come true. So all of that, it sounds picture perfect, but Teresa's story is not a Hollywood movie and even though she is a real-life queen, her life has not in fact, been a fairy tale. And her life and pageant journey is a story of trusting that the impossible can, in fact, become possible. And we'll talk about 
all of the naysaying and all of the negativity she had to endure. But regardless of that, she was willing to take risks. She faced her fears and she believed in the power of her dreams. Yeah, Teresa is a powerful woman. And let's go ahead and start the journey to her crown. Teresa grew up in Gearing, Nebraska, a city I've never heard of. I don't know if any of our listeners have. Kudos if you have. And was one of six children. And even though our family, like like you said, Stephen, they were Croatian, extremely close. Um, like many pageant girls, she always had a deep inner sense that she had a big future ahead of her outside of that small Midwestern town. So she created a plan to go after it. Yeah, she said in interviews that she knew as a small child that she wanted to be first a lawyer and then a president of the United States, and then eventually retire as a Supreme Court justice. Yeah, small goals and, for that one. Yeah, no, no big deal. <laughs> uh, what's crazy to me is that like, she won Miss America at 17. All right, like we already talked about that. We've established it. But if that's the case, this means that she was saying what you just said, becoming a lawyer, a president, a Supreme Court justice, like years before that even happened. So like, what kind of kid recognizes a path like that at an early age? I mean, something really out of the ordinary. Yeah, Teresa, she's a go-getter. And obviously, we just took us from an early age. And she's aggressively pursued both academics, music, and knowing that in order to get into college and then law school, she was likely going to need to find a way to some earn some scholarship Benjamins. That's and. <laughs> And that's where that ad in the newspaper we mentioned comes in for her first pageant. Like, girl, after my own heart, she bought a $12 dress from JCPenney for her quote-unquote evening gown selection. And even though she had braces, she had wild, frizzy hair, no pageant experience whatsoever, miraculously, she ended up winning, which is pretty cool. And it's funny because Teresa says that she never had any interest in pageantry up until that point. But it was mainly because she had no idea what the world of pageants could really offer a young girl. Yeah, and it just kind of gives a snapshot on how focused she was. She's like, okay, cool. I want to do this. I'm 12. I need scholarship money for college. $200. Might as well get it started now. I mean, it's just a snapshot on how she thinks and who she is as a person. Mm-hmm. And like knowing Teresa, and she said that she fell in love with two main things that pageantry gave her. Uh, first is a sense of her own personal growth and development, which involves staying shark academically playing the piano, which is one of her major passions in life, and staying physically fit, and just being an overall well-rounded person, which you've said all the time, Jesse, about that pageantry gives you. Yep. And secondly, her platform, which is Eating Disorders, A Generation at Risk, which on a personal level allowed her to advocate for her close friend who struggled with bulimia, and on a community service level gave her a voice to be able to reach and impact other girls. And her whole pageant journey from this point that you just mentioned, that first pageant when she was 12 to Miss America, it was only a five-year span, which for most people, like, isn't a long time. Like, hello, some women compete for their state title all seven years of eligibility alone. Like, that's seven years in one system. Now, Teresa's, like, journey was, like, jam-packed into this, like, really compact situation. And she had to grow up pretty quickly in pageant land in order to rise up the ranks, but she was very eager to enter her first Miss America local. Yeah, I think the rules are that you have to be 17 years old and a senior in high school in order to compete. But Teresa was homeschooled. So do you know how that do you know how that worked? Well, that's a great point, And you're right. Teresa was homeschooled until her junior year of high school. And she actually worked extra hard to graduate early. And she took a double load of classes for the remaining six months in order to do so. And she made that graduation cutoff by only one week like she had one week before they're like nope you're not eligible this year which would have been like obviously a huge fault in the stars 
Yeah, yeah. And I mean, again, totally no big deal, right? Just graduate and let's, you know, compete in Miss America. So this was actually a huge relief to her because she competed in Miss Nebraska's Outstanding Teen and she never really won. And that's because the feedback that she got that of her being just too sophisticated or not really appearing like she was a teen. And a common misconception about Teresa is that she's only really competed in three pageants, um, like in the Miss America system, a local and then Miss Nebraska and then Miss America and then one. But that's not true, um, as we're learning about here. So, um, but now she was in a division that celebrated her more, like in the Miss division, because naturally, as we've covered before, she's like, so mature for her age, mm-hmm. but she's a perfectionist and, you know, she didn't feel ready to compete at this level at all, but, um, she drove through the snow for seven hours in the dark in dreary month of February to compete in this pageant, which was held in a tiny little rundown theater. And she played an old rickety upright piano with missing keys. And she did her best to look and act as a complete adult, even though she had no experience or training to really pull from, um, in that, in, in that age division, that genre. But, um, you know, I, if you have to know Teresa, but she won and it's kind of obvious after meeting her, you're like, Oh, okay. I can see how she won, but just outside mm-hmm. looking in for the stats, you know, it's not always that obvious. So I competed for the first time at Miss New York for the first time at 17 as well. Like I won my local, I've told this story like a million times in this podcast and they're like, okay, you ready for state? And I'm like, what state? Like, I had no idea that my local even took me to Miss, Miss New York. So, like, I, like, you would think that after, like, winning a Miss Nebraska local at 17 that would allow you to compete at Miss Nebraska, that, like, Teresa would have been, like, on cloud nine, like, girl, I got this. And, like, she could maybe, like, take a break and celebrate a little. And, like, nope, not a chance. The Miss Nebraska state pageant was held literally one week later. I'm, like, sensing a trend <laughs> with this, like, one week thing. Like everything has always been like a time crunch, but again, the stars aligned for Teresa, like 17 Miss America, it was born to happen. Yeah. And even though she had won the local against all odds, uh, Teresa says that she felt completely inadequate when it came to competing at the state level. She says that on one hand, she was facing something that she was so excited about and yet almost felt resigned to the fact that she would fail. And Jesse, I feel like this could be a coaching moment here. Yes. Hacked to the yes. In fact, this is something a lot of contestants do that end up resulting in self-sabotage. So Teresa, she knew all of the other contestants were light years ahead of her in their preparation. And she was an inexperienced 17-year-old girl, barely out of high school, surrounded by accomplished 24-year-old women who were in grad school. And she recalls that the first runner from the previous year was competing again. And everyone was convinced that she was going to win for sure. And for those that are listening, raise your hand if you're hearing this story and it sounds familiar because I feel like it is a dime a dozen. And even Miss Americas are not immune to this thinking. So the lesson of the coaching moment here is I want you to focus on the transactional things that set you apart. If you start looking at big picture, you start to make other people's story sound huge in your mind. You're like, oh my gosh, it's 24, she's in grad school. And like, you're like looking at everything that would build them up to this unattainable level that you can't possibly imagine yourself. But if you break your preparation and your experience down piece by piece, like, okay, I did 45 appearances this year. I raised X amount of dollars. I have achieved this scholastic accomplishment. You'll realize how qualified you are and how well you actually do stack up. So if you still have time before your pageant and you don't feel this way when you're looking at your transactional accomplishments, it's time to get to work. Give me a call. We'll look at your plan. 
We'll look at where you're starting to feel inadequate and we'll build it up. But you have to make sure that you're comparing yourself to your accomplishments and not to what you think you know about somebody else. Yeah, and Teresa could pull from the fact that she's been competing for five years. Mm-hmm. And if you just know anything about human psychology, for those of you that are listening, we always have a way of comparing our weaknesses to somebody else's perceived strengths, mm-hmm. not their actual strengths, they're what you perceive their strengths to be. So realizing that and also realizing that person that you're putting up on somewhat of a pedestal, they're doing the same to you, potentially, right? Like you don't know. Mm-hmm. They're comparing their weaknesses to either yours or somebody else's perceived strengths. So we're all kind of going around through life thinking that other people are better than us and we overvalue the competition and we undervalue ourselves. Mm-hmm. So just staying in your your own game and realizing that this pageant is yours to lose because in actuality, it really is yours to lose. Mm-hmm. And we'll talk yeah. more about that later. Okay. So Teresa took her own, you know, to jump back, but she kind of took her own spin on this. She made a decision that she would go in uh, with the attitude that this would be her practice year for her and that she would just apply herself to learning as much as she could. And she would take notes and pay attention and come back the following year to feel better prepared, which was a major mental adjustment for her because this was like not all caps, not her personality. (laughs) She's a go-getter and she's an overachiever and she's not just the kind of go the flow person. I mean, Teresa and I, we talk on the phone and all of a sudden I'm like, wow, Teresa, are we on, are we in a debate right now? (laughs) I thought we had, you know, so, but she has accepted that it was the only way that she could do the pageant and just be at peace with herself, which again, I feel like could be a coaching moment because it seems like the girls that have the most success in a particular pageant is the one that go in with something specific that they want to get out of it. And normally those girls are just like, it's not always the crown. They're mm-hmm. like, I just want to go and like meet new people, have new experiences. It relaxes them down. And anytime you do anything, if you're more relaxed, you always perform better. Well, I say to star clients all the time that judges can smell desperation a mile away. And it is almost never rewarded. Like if you go in there and you're like, oh my gosh, I want this so, 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 so bad. And then like you overwhelm yourself because you've been working so hard and you want it and you're nervous and you're like, you put all this pressure on yourself. So the mental change that we work with our clients on is you walk in the room with the mindset of the judges would be lucky to have me. Like I've done all this work. They would be lucky if I were there, Miss Nebraska, Miss New York, whatever that might be. And I'm happy to be here. And Mm. my life's going to go on after this pageant and you will have missed out on something if you don't pick me. Um, So that's kind of the message that we use our clients because I, I know that in my last Miss New York interview, I was that desperation person. And and my favorite interview question that I ask our clients is what wouldn't you give up for the title? And I'm always so upset with myself because they always are like, well, I wouldn't give up this. I wouldn't give up this. And I'm always like impressed because when I was asked that question in private interview that year at Miss New York, my last year of eligibility, I was like, oh, there's nothing I wouldn't give up for this title. This is what I want the most. Like I was, I just remember having no convictions and confidence in myself. Uh So that is a huge hurdle to overcome. But back to Teresa. So like, we know how this story ends. Like she took home this title too, the first 17 year old to win Miss Nebraska. And it was also the first time in a very, very long time that someone had won the title their very first time competing in the Miss Division. Like, she came in hot. One, two, three. Local, state, (laughs) here we are. 
<laughs> yeah. So now we're going to transition to the Miss America dream, like where the impossible becomes possible. And we're mm-hmm. going to dive into her actually preparing for Miss America. So um, I would imagine that the sense of accomplishment of winning the state pageant is incredible. Naturally, I've, I've never had that experience, but I could imagine it. So you know that you work so hard and you feel rushed like a rush to the possibility within yourself because you know that you're one step closer to achieving yet another major goal, perhaps a lifetime, like a mm-hmm. lifelong dream. Yep. Certainly for most young women competing at the Miss America level, like this is a dream come true. Yep. And for Teresa winning her state title and having the chance to compete at Miss America was both a blessing and a curse. And she says that throughout her life, there has been a theme of these like pinnacle moments but they lead to a whole new series of obstacles. And how daunting is that? Like you reach the top and then it's never easy. It never gets easier, which is incredibly draining. So you have to have stamina and confidence. And Teresa has both of those in in spades. And she remembers that preparing for Miss America was extremely difficult because the message that she got from those around her was, why do we pick a 17-year-old kid with no real pageant experience, which we know is false, uh, because now we have no shot at the national title. And can I just say... I want to meet these people because who the heck puts this kind of vibe out there for a title holder to feel like even if she's 17, if she's 24, if if she felt that it was clearly not done in a discreet way. But I mean, that's not their job to pre-qualify these contestants. Their job is to prepare them. Right. I know we've said it before, but sometimes people are the worst. I mean, they really are. And but the thing is, and it's been my experience that the people who say that to you before you have kind of proven success or proven track record, when you do achieve something, they come back around and say, I knew that you could do it. It's almost like they either a completely forget or B, you know, either just choosing not to remember or whatever. But it's so annoying. (laughs) It's like it's the worst. So it is absolutely positively the worst. Yeah. And I had a client once, Stephen, I'm sorry to interrupt. No, I had a client once and we, I had known her for years when we were friends and she's like, you know what? I want you to coach me. And she, after working together, she had her best placement ever in that pageant. She'd been competing, competing for like six years. And I was like, what is the wall all about? Like, why are you so judgy of yourself? She goes, well, when I told my family I wanted to compete for the Miss America pageant system, they told me there's no way I would ever win a pageant. Wow. And I was like, oh, that was the first time I heard someone's family tell them that they couldn't do it. And it broke yeah. my heart into a million pieces. And we have podcasts that are, are centered around what kind of tribe you need. And kudos to this friend of mine and to Teresa for like looking the haters in the face and being like, I'm going to still do this my way and be successful. Yeah. And for people that maybe are not that personality, like a Teresa, where she's like, She'll just tell you to her face, like, nope, this is how I believe this is what I'm going to do. Um, if you're maybe more of a personality like mine, it's like, cool. But then what I do is I go back to my cocoon, either that's inside of myself or with my small group of friends, somebody that I can trust with my dream, and I share it with them, and they encourage me. And then from there, I get the inspiration I need to continue moving. Because mm-hmm. oftentimes, it's like, we all come in life with different personalities. So it's like choosing to approach life from the personality that empowers you or from the perspective that empowers you and not to be something that you're not, which is the story of Teresa Scanlon. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So she only had six months to prepare, like from winning the first local to being at Miss America, only had six months to prepare. 
And like all that she heard was like, okay, Nebraska never won, never has never won. A 17 year old hasn't won since 1937. And because of those facts, it would be impossible for her to win. Um, she struggled with feelings of like inadequacy and being a disappointment, although she, you know, strived to make her state proud and her family proud. Probably the greatest lesson that Teresa's story offers is that nobody gets to tell you what you can and cannot dream. Nobody gets to tell you how far you can go in life because in spite of all the negativity surrounding her, Teresa allowed herself to dream about winning the the crown and she mentally envisioned the crown being placed on her head and she continually fought to believe that the impossible was possible. Yeah, and it was. And because we all know like right out the gate, Teresa won a talent preliminary award at Miss America with her piano performance with the um, whitewater chopsticks like Ha ha. Like to, to everybody who doubted her, everybody that says that she couldn't like be there, you know, like you know, she just gave it to him in chopstick like fashion. So and then before we knew it, um, Teresa, she was crowned the 90th woman and uh, to wear the Miss America crown on January the 15th, 2011. And with this win, she became the first Miss Nebraska ever to claim the Miss America title, as well as the youngest winner in 74 years since Betty Cooper in 1937. And don't forget to mention also, Stephen, that she was the first title holder from Nebraska to win Miss America, Miss USA, and Miss Teen USA, which is huge. Like the first Nebraska girl to ever win a major national title. Wow. I mean, talk about breaking a glass ceiling. Um. And there are like two big points of controversy that people got wrapped up in like during her reign. The, the first was her platform uh, centered around eating disorders, which people constantly blame on her insecurity. Which is yeah. like another great win for adults. Keep it up. And it wasn't even <laughs> about her. It was about her friend, too. So it was like they just like I I'll get into it again. But like this was a time where I was like all about the nasty boards, which I would never encourage anyone to read now, but I was so obsessed with pageantry. Like I couldn't get enough. I was like, like, I loved it. And I remember reading it and being like, you guys don't even understand. Like, this is not the point. It's not about her. People right. constantly wanted to like find ways to like belittle Teresa, which was heartbreaking. Yeah. Sorry. Uh, yeah. It's crazy. And, the, but the other thing with this, and it gave the haters even more ammunition was that she wore wigs throughout her year and throughout the competition. And this was a time, like I said, where I was reading all of the commentary about title holders, about Miss America locals and state pageants. And the fascination here with these wigs was something I've never heard before. And the amount of people in pageant industry that have weaves, have extensions, and like both, not just our industry, the pageant industry, but the entertainment industry as well. Like, it's massive. There's probably more women competing on the state pageant with some kind of hair help than not competing with hair help. And who cares if it's they're underneath or on top of your head? It's still fake hair. I got. I don't know. I never. I never got the outrage there. Yeah. And what's crazier because it, you know Teresa at the ripe old age of 17, she owned it, and she was like, I had damaged hair, and cut it very short in order for it to grow back healthy. And so she actually began wearing wigs prior to competing for Miss Nebraska. And she openly spoke on behalf of a company called Hair Therapy for Women. And to this day, they still sponsor her and like give her wigs. And she's still like, she still rocks them. 
I mean, I would like to get out of bed in the morning and not do my hair. That would be lovely. I I should also invest in wigs. (laughs) All right. So now we're going to transition to living life on her own terms. So like, how does she do that? So Teresa reached milestones before the age of 20 that most people can't even imagine dreaming about, let alone achieving. And unfortunately, when you accomplish great things at a very young age, you're often left wondering what's next. And she definitely did. And she spent some time trying to figure out like who she was without the crown, without the world of pageantry to guide her. And she calls those years, I love this term, and it's true, is the searching years. And I want to pause here for another coaching moment. And this is extremely common, the sense of what now and feeling lost. And I get it. Like You were working towards something for years and it ends. Or you had tons of social interactions each day from appearances that stops, or you're getting tons of new followers every day and that plateaus. And my suggestion for those that are either nearing the end of their pageant journey or they are in their own searching years is to set an after pageant goal to aggressively pursue in order to keep you focused and on track. Because if we know anything about pageant girls, they're competitive and they're driven. So when you just like stop having something that you can work towards, like, I, I've experienced it too. It's like, well, I went from being really great at something and loving something to being really unhappy and like what, and being lost. And I don't see, have you ever experienced something like that? Oh my gosh. Yeah. Like, um, for those of you that don't know, like my first company, it failed. And so I lost everything, um, at the ripe old age of, I was like 24 and I go back to like sleeping on the, <laughs> not back to, but I went to sleeping on the floor of like this crappy apartment cause it's, it was so small. I couldn't even get my bed in there. Um, and I, I had no business. I had no direction. I had no money. And it was just like, what do I do now? So I had really had to go into myself and say like, okay, why do I have value? Like what's next for me? Mm-hmm. And it was a very dark and very challenging time. It is. Yeah. So, in the years that like following her reign as Miss America, Teresa herself admits that she suffered from depression. And she realized that that depression actually began while she still had the title. I mean, when you're only 17 and people are saying horrible things about you on social media, from criticizing the way that you look to attacking your political and religious beliefs. I mean, think, I mean, she met like, I think Barack Obama twice. And she was like in all these like media um, blitz. So she was very much out in the public. And every time she had one of those encounters, it was that like backlash from the nasty boards or she said one thing wrong. And not to mention like, you know, everybody, well, unless you're not 17, but you can remember when you're 17 and you're finding out and full of all these like chemical changes in your body and like Mm -hmm. who am I as a person so to deal with that compounded with the public spotlight and the criticism how do they really it can be really challenging on your self-esteem it can be and you just brought up one more great point that I want to touch back on with that coaching moment is as a title or you have a year and you're constantly being photographed people want to take pictures with you you're rubbing elbows with some of the most powerful people in the world like you mentioned Barack Obama And then that stops and people want to take photos of the new title holder. So in experiencing fame in a different industry, like you kind of ride that wave as long as it allows and pageantry, gets a finite end point and that causes the struggle even more. So I just wanted to tie that all in together because that inspired me when you said that, but um, true to form though, Teresa, like Teresa has always shared her struggles openly with the public and Myself and so many others love her for that. And she's always had a way of connecting in a real way with people. And Stephen, I know she's connected with you also. And regardless of her fame and celebrity, like 
that's definitely one of her strengths and one of the things that make her so relatable. And Stephen, I want you to talk about this next section because you were actually integral in making it happen. I remember we were like recording our podcast, I think at this time, and we get on the call and like something amazing has happened. So why don't you tell our listeners like the Miss World America story? Yeah. So um, at the time, uh, Miss World America, um, it was Miss United States. Then the kind of a new branch opened up for Miss World America. The winner of Miss World America went on to compete at Miss World. And this was in 2015. And so they reached out to me and they're like, hey, uh, we need some candidates. They're like, we have a few open spots left. And they had a really powerful roster that year. I mean, there was a lot of former Miss USA's, a lot of former like, uh, I'm sorry, Miss USA state title holders, Miss uh, Miss America state title holders. And the winner got to go to Miss World. And so I'm like, okay, like what are some of the states open? And then they said Nebraska. And I'm like, let me get back to you. I was like, I might have someone for you. And so I called Teresa and I'm like, okay, I got an idea. And she's like, Oh God, what is it now? Because I just, you know, those of you who know me, it's like, I have these ideas and I'm like, okay, hear me out. You could be the first Miss America ever (laughs) to compete in another pageant, like after winning Miss America. And so I told her about the organization. She did some research. I said, you know what? I, if you want, I will connect you with a national director, like no pressure, no pressure. I just thought what a cool opportunity and like you could win and go on to Miss World. And so you'd be the first Miss America ever to also compete at Miss World. Um, so I'm like, you've already made history in so many other ways. Like this would just be another, like another thing to do. And so anyways, she got, um, she spoke with a, a national director. I connected the dots there and she decided she was going to do it. And I was actually supposed to MC that pageant, mm-hmm. but chose to, because Teresa um, competed, um, naturally I chose to step down so it wouldn't be a conflict of interest. Right. So um, I didn't um, MC because uh, I just didn't feel like ethically, if I was MCing and the people knew that I got Teresa or you know made that connection point there, and then if she did win, it could take away from, from her spotlight. So um, I just didn't and um she went on and um you know she got first runner-up which uh, that might be a spoiler alert but yeah she got first runner-up to the to the pageant yeah she won um the judges interview challenge of course i mean no one was shocked about that she was fourth runner-up in the beauty with a purpose challenge so i think that's more like the platform presentation um yes and she was first runner-up that year to Miss World Victoria Mendoza. Fun fact, Victoria Mendoza used to be on the Pageant Planet staff. What, what? Um, <laughs> yep. Which is she was one our of those, queen like, of fitness, or queen of fitness, I believe she was, right? She, I thought she was queen of fashion. Queen of fashion? Okay, queen of fashion. I Maybe thought she was in my, my line of lineage. Okay. Um, but no, it, I mean, extremely cool. And I think everyone was glued to that pageant as a result. But um, Stephen, how would you like summarize the conclusion of that experience for Teresa. Yeah. Well, like, I mean, everything happens for the reason. This is the same way that we say with, uh, Renata, who's, who's my wife. Um, she didn't win, um, Massachusetts USA when she competed, but then she went and won Massachusetts United States. And that's where she and I met. So like we've a firm believer that, you know, God has his plans. And so, um, in 2015, Teresa got married um, and then the following year, she and her husband had a beautiful boy chase. And although her and her husband are no longer together, her son is the light of her life and he's just 
cute as a button and he's really helped her find a new purpose um, in life. And I want to insert a a coaching moment here. If you do not follow Teresa Scanlon, you should follow her on Instagram. And we're kind of brushing over this a little bit, but she's like went into detail um, in her Instagram about like, the struggles when she found out that she was pregnant with Chase and that she actually battled within her, like, should I abort him? And it was a very real conversation because she had all this scholarship money and all her, like, her dream job of going to, or I'm sorry, she was enrolled to go to university and she was on that particular path. And she was opened about this struggle and it, it went viral on her, on her Instagram. So, just how authentic she is as a human to say like, this is my struggle. And of course, like people judged her shocker, but like, she's like, it's also really encouraging for a lot of other people that are battling with really tough decisions like this. And now Mm -hmm. she's like, I cannot imagine my life without my son and all this. And so, and she had a son and you know, her marriage with her, with her husband, uh, you know, my 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 opinion he's a jerk like he totally like he totally um cheated on her and like she caught him like cheating and like she chose to deliberately just move away from that and it was shortly after they were married and she had her suspicions and then she got confirmation but then again like she believed in herself enough to remove herself from this abusive relationship and she chose to bet on Teresa and those are two massively challenging things that keep well I don't know this from personal experience but just reading and hearing accounts keep a lot of women crippled crippled in fear of what other people are going to think how am I going to bounce back will anybody else want me as like a single mom with a with a baby how am I going to pursue my goals with this kind of thing and her her husband did very well like financially and so she removed herself from there and you know they he took like good care of her financially right but then she chose to bet on herself and remove herself from the situation so i have tremendous amount of um respect for the strength that Mm -hmm. she exuded by making that that shift and i i think the world of her for that and all, all the other things that i mentioned Well, it goes back to what she said about reaching pinnacles and always feeling like it brought new obstacles. And it's so cyclical in her story. Like she gets married and they have their beautiful baby. And then it brought this entire new string of challenges that she could never have foreseen. And she always comes back better and stronger. And she always shares all of this so openly with the world. And I I appreciate following her on Instagram because I always know I'm going to be refreshed by what she posts. And her son, Chase, so stinking precious. And he really is obsessed with mommy. Yeah. And Teresa calls 2017 her year of finally. I I like how she names her years. Very marketable. Me too. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Meaning it was the year where she finally completed things, which is kind of funny for someone to say who has completed so many monumental things in her life already. Well, she says 23 knocked me down in so many ways, but 24 was all about regaining my strength and courage. And it was like she finally graduated cum laude with her degree in government. 
She finally applied to law school. She received acceptances from Georgetown, Notre Dame, UC Berkeley, a full ride scholarship at University of Nebraska Law. And that's just so far. So those are the acceptances so far. And she's still waiting on answers. And she she joined the board of the Positive Pageantry Scholarship Program, too. Wow. And in 2018, uh, Teresa announced that she would join the Air National Guard as an airman first class while continuing her education at UC Berkeley School of Law. She currently serves as a member of the Wyoming Air National Guard in the 153rd Force Support Squadron. And I'm sorry, Teresa graduated from her basic combat training class. Um, again, shocker, top 10% of her class. I wonder if there was interview involved in that or if it was just straight out physical skill. Well, at, she's at the ripe old age of 25, right? Like, can you believe like we've told all this story and it's like she's 25. She is making her mark as a mentor and full-time public speaker. She continues to focus on the two areas of pageantry, Stephen, that you mentioned that she loved, like she fell in love with. So continued personal growth and development and being able to reach and impact other people. Yeah, and with the remarkable life that Teresa Scanlon has led, we would not be surprised at all. Um, I should just say when she ends up becoming the nation's <laughs> president and eventually a member of the Supreme Court. Uh, she has proven that there is just zero limits um, other than those you impose upon yourself. And that word impossible is just another w- way to show the world that I am possible. So if you've enjoyed this episode or anyone's previous, please consider giving us a five-star review. It might seem like a small action, but it really does help us keep the show going. Want to become a part of pageant history? Create a free contestant or business profile on pageantplanet.com to unlock hidden features and connect with other experts throughout the world.